Okay, we're in the last of the series on power. I want to give you a test and just see how good you remember these sermons because if you don't remember them, well, you need to go back and watch them. What's the P stand for? Okay, if you said presence, you get an award because that's right. O, I hear a lot of people over here. They're... So if you don't get it over here, you probably need to move over here next week. W, it's still stronger over here. What? I teach better over there? E? It's all this side. Do y'all just thought, y'all check out after? Okay, y'all just be quiet. What's the R for? What, three, four people? Yay! Honey, I told you you should listen. (laughs) What's the R for? Much better. I love y'all. I'm praying for y'all. I love y'all too. That's why I'm praying for you. So we've gone through one, two, three, five weeks. Say five weeks. See, they're, y'all are even, they're even better than y'all at that. Just say five weeks. Yes, okay. I'm just got to get your attention over there. I guess just have to move the podium that way. Oh, that's what you feel slighted. Well, it won't work for a live stream. I'm sorry. Um, yes, we knew. I know, but we have these columns, see? And uh, they have a the view. If you're watching it on TV and you'll be walking over here and all of a sudden nobody's on the screen. <laughs> oh, see? I'm gone. Uh, so to this week, I thought, well, next, re- next week is Ron. I've got to finish out this series on power and... So I thought, well, let's, let's get the last letter up there. It's the exclamation point. Right? How many of you are over exclamation point users on, on your texting? Uh, yeah, every time it's not one, it's not two. Like, oh, that was awesome. That was sick. That was filthy. That was, oh, it's lit up. You know? The bomb. Oh, wow. Clear the building. Security, don't say that. Say the bomb. My mother said that in the airport one time. She was joking. 80 years old, they whisk her off to another room. You know, ma'am, don't say that. Uh, anybody ever get in trouble at the airport for doing that little joking about a bomb? You just don't joke about bombs in the airport. Anyway, we're doing the exclamation point this morning. And so the exclamation point you're going to figure out is in pretty soon is, it, well, I'm going to just give you, let me give you a, a hint. I'm going to, maybe I'll let you guess since you're so really good at guessing. What have I left out? The power of what? Power of the Holy Spirit. What else? What? Grace. Who said grace? Why did you say that? Lisa! Lisa, have, have I even started on that yet? No, it was not on Facebook. <laughs> it was not on Facebook. I left it blank, 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 blank. Oh, okay. Well, okay. It's grace. And, uh, 
I'm going to give you another, another question. How many times is the word love in the book of Acts? You are so far off. It's not in there at all. <gasps> Go check it out. Type in love and then type in and see what comes up in the book of Acts. It's not in there. But grace is a lot like love. Okay? So we're going to talk about the power of grace. And you may think, well, what does power and grace have to do with each other? I want you to stand. We're going to read Acts 4.33 together. Would you stand? Say it like you mean it. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. That is Acts 4.33. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. This is going to go forth with power. Because your word is power. Father, I thank you for the grace that we live in. The, the grace that we have received. The grace that we walk in, Father. And so, Father, for today, for those that, that are in this place that have, that have walked away from grace, that have begun to live in their flesh and not in the spirit anymore, Lord, that we call them back to the power of your grace today. Back to the power of letting you be in control of their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm, this is a really a teaching lesson today. This is different than one I've been doing for a while. Uh, so the word is in Greek is for grace is charis or C H R I S C H. Can you put that word? No, you can't put that up there. C H R I S, but it's not pronounced charis or charis because we get that word. You know, we, we use charismatic. The the Greek. Y'all gonna get. You're gonna have fun with this one. So how you pronounce it in Greek? In Greek, the word C H R I S. And get ready for the person in front of you. Don't spit on them. It's haris. 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 It's like gesundheit, you know? Haris. That's the Greek. C-H-R-I-S. That's, that's, what it means. that's the Greek word. It's haris. Okay? So you got that one? You learned a Greek word today? But, you know, it, it means it's simply, we have an acronym for it. But really, all that the word grace means is this. Goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. Say goodwill. Loving kindness and favor. So, you know, many times as, as Christians we pray, uh, Lord, just give, give them favor. Give them favor in this situation. They're going for a job interview, Lord. I just pray the favor of God over them. Guess what? You don't have to pray that. You don't have to ask for it because if you're a believer, you already got it. See, we, we, always ask, we, th we ask God for a lot of things He's already given us. Don't we? We, we? we plead with, oh, God, I just need your presence. Well, he's with you wherever you go. Oh, God, I just need this. Oh, God, I need that. And he said, I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you. Walk in it. Live in it. Believe it. Surrender to it. So this morning, we all have this. If you are a blood-bought, born-again child of the king, you have favor. You have haris. You have the grace of God. You have his goodwill. You have his loving kindness. That's why I'm, maybe love is not in the book of Acts, but that's what grace, part of grace is loving kindness. The loving kindness of a good and great God. But that's not the first time it shows up, actually, in Acts. Uh, when you go back to Acts 2, 46 and 7, we'll see that it shows up there again, but not in the same word. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now remember, this is after 3,000 people have gotten saved. They're all together in one place, man, and they're getting taught the, they're getting taught the word of God. It says they were in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having what? Favor. Same word. Hotteris. Grace. Having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Do you want favor with people? 
You want to walk in the favor of God. You, listen, we, we, we can have a lot of people say, well, the world's going to hate us. But I know that. But if we are really walking in the favor of God, if we were living out the, the true mandate of the, of the gospel, we will have favor because we're going to be walking in loving kindness and the goodwill toward other people. We're going to exemplify Christ. And so that's who God has called us to be. So what a grace and power have to do with each other. So I want to set the message up for you today. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to do a little background. I met with a young lady this week. She said, you know, I just don't know the Bible. I said, that's okay. You know, she's a new believer. She's going to get baptized next week. So I just don't know. I don't know when you say stuff. I don't, I don't really get what you're... And I said, well, I try to let you know what's going on beforehand. But when you just start into a sermon like... Well, everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Well, not everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Not everybody knows about Daniel in the lion's den. Not everybody had a mom that showed them the Bible stories or a dad that read the Bible stories to them or brought them up in church. We really can't assume that everybody knows these things, okay? So don't be religious on people and say, well, you know that. And then if they look at you like, what? Don't go, seriously, you don't know that? <laughs> don't do that. Just say, you know what, I understand. And God wants you to understand these things. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, they were buds, you know. They're on their way to the temple to pray that afternoon. And there was a man there laying beside this gate called Beautiful. And he was begging for money. Yeah, money, 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 money. I just need some money. He was a cripple. Okay? And what did Peter and John say? They said, well, we just don't have anything. And I'm sure they're like pulling out their little purses. And man, we don't have any money. We don't have any gold to give you. But what we do have, we're going to give you. We have Jesus. We're going to give you Jesus this morning. We're going to give you Jesus today. And they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And said, Peter grabbed him by the hands. And he lifted him up. And he said, Dad! I got my legs again. I'm strong. And he was dancing and jumping around and praising God. Okay. That's the scene we're setting as we get to where we're going to go this morning. And then when he did that and he started praising God, it made a ruckus. Everybody's coming running. What's going on? What's going on? And and people were listening because every time a crowd gathered, Peter never missed it. He didn't miss an opportunity to preach the gospel. And he started telling them, they said, how did you do this? And they said, well, it's in the name of Jesus. And the guy wanted to cling to them. And they said, it wasn't us, it was Jesus. And once you start talking about Jesus around the temple area, guess who shows up? The religious people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the, the, the Sanhedrin group, the guys that did not like Jesus, and they didn't like anybody that liked Jesus. And they were always showing up and wanting to, to, to put down anything that looked like Jesus Christ. Because they killed him. They thought they were done with him, right? But they weren't done with him. And so they come and, and they come and they start, uh, by what power have you done this? I love that. What power? Now, can you just imagine these guys? Here's this guy. They've known him. He's been at that gate. He's been crippled all of his life. And now they see him and he's walking around. He's praising God. And then they look at Peter and John. Well, what power have you done this? Whose name have you done this in? Now, here's the cool thing about that. They just recognized there was a miracle took place. And they recognized it was somebody that they did it in somebody's name. Now, I'm thinking these guys are really thick skulls. I'm serious. I mean, this has been going on for three years. 
This Jesus has been walking the streets and healing people. They already been told that he was raised from the dead. They tried to kill him. They were, they were still trying to find the followers of Christ. And they said, and they said, no, whose name did you do this in? And what power? What, how did this happen? And, and they, they said, what well, is in the name of Jesus? See, listen, you're always going to have dissenters in your life. When you do something for the name of Jesus, there are always going to be those that are going to come and say, Oh, really? You did that in Jesus name? Who is this Jesus you serve? Really? Can he still do that today? And you're going to have have people that are going to be the naysayers when you walk in the signs and wonders and miracles of God. You're always going to have them. You're going to have, you're going to have the doubters. So you have to be ready for that because we got the Sanhedrin still alive and well. Religious people are still alive and well. And they want to know what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you're doing it. Now look at verse... Now, now move on to chapter 4. If you have to turn your page. I hear the leaves turning. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Woo! I didn't know you could see boldness. You can see boldness. Anybody know what it likes to see boldness? It's people that they don't care where they're at. If, if you have a need and you need prayer, then they'll pray for you. That's boldness. At the R&R market, Weston, man, Rita was down. She was praying for somebody. Her and Randy were praying for somebody Friday. Right out there in the parking lot. Boldness. Holy boldness. Spirit-led boldness. And I'm sure other people walking by and going, well, I wonder what she's doing. Huh. What's going on with her? But they saw, listen, they saw boldness on them. And look what else they saw. They perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. When is the last time somebody saw boldness on you? When is the last time somebody said, hey, you must have been with Jesus? I recognize you. You must have gone. You must be with Jesus. Now, remember before when Peter had said he would not deny Christ and he denied him and the little girl came up to him and said, oh, you're one of Jesus' followers. No, 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 not me. Not me. She didn't see any boldness on Peter that day, did she? She recognized he'd been with Jesus, but he said, uh, no, I don't even know the guy. I don't even know him. See, when, when uneducated, untrained men, God can use uneducated, untrained people. You don't have to have a degree on your wall to witness the, the power of God. You don't have to have the, that, the, the degree to walk in unity. You don't have to have those things. You're walking in His presence if you've given your life to Him. You already have the degree on your wall of your heart. It's written in red. What a compliment, guys. For somebody to say, man, I see the boldness on you. What a compliment for somebody to say, you've been with Jesus, haven't you? What a compliment. So they threatened Peter and John, verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. See, we think this wouldn't happen today. It's already happening. All over the world. It hasn't come to America to the extent it is in other countries, but it's trying to come in. They want to silence Christians. There's a bill in, in California, and I'm going to try to get this kind of right, but... <laughs> There's a bill in California that's trying to abolish any book that has any hate speech in it. And the Bible would come under the heading of hate speech. 
Because the Bible teaches against certain things that other people say are okay. So if you teach against something that other people think is okay, then that's hate speech. So we need to get that Bible out of the, out, out, off the bookshelves. We need to ban all the Bibles because we're just people. We just want to live in love. Well, listen, if that, this book is the book of love. This book is the book of morals. This book is the book of truth. And yet there are people, listen, it can, those things can slip through Congress and other people can go, oh, that, that, that's not, that'll never happen in America. Well, it's happening in America. They're trying to take our, our rights away to speak about Jesus Christ in the temples, in the churches, on the streets. And we better wake up, church. Or it'll happen because there are people right now all over the world that are in prison because they spoke up for Jesus. Somebody said, I, I, you've been with Jesus. And they said, yes, then you're going to jail. Look at Peter and John's response in Acts 4, 19 and 20. Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. See, if you haven't seen and heard anything, you're not going to speak about anything. So if you're not speaking about Jesus, maybe you're not seeing anything, seeing him do anything in your life. Maybe you're not, maybe, maybe you're not getting in his presence. Maybe you're not walking in the boldness that he's called to you. So you're not going to be talking about him. But he said, Peter and John said that we see this all the time. This is our life. Signs and wonders and miracles. This is our life. Seeing people get saved. 3,000 the other day. This is our life. Baptisms every day. This is our life. We can't help but speak about it. You know, we've got people, I can, I can strike up conversations with people, and men, and, and if they love and they're passionate about something, guess what? You'll hear about it until you want to tell them, to shut up. But you start a conversation about Jesus with somebody, oh, we don't talk about religion. I'm not talking about religion, I'm talking about a relationship. But we want to back off from those conversations. And God said, no, they, listen, these are uneducated, just ordinary men that God filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak the truth in love. So they were threatened, they were released, and Peter and John went into hiding. No. <laughs> no. Say no. They didn't go into hiding. Look at verse 23 in, that, in chapter 4. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them, I'd like to have been here there to hear that conversation. So when they heard that, this is the other group, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Now, think about this. I, this didn't even strike me until I was studying this. They raised their voice in one accord. Now, I don't know how many people were there. It could have been 120. It could have been 3,000. I don't know how many were in the house. Probably not 3,000. They raised their voice in one accord. And they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, why did the nations rage? Was the nation raging? You better, you better believe the nation was raging. And the people plot vain things. Did they plot against Jesus? Yes, they did. The kings of the earth took their stand, didn't they? And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, his anointed one. Now, I'm going to ask you, how could they all speak that psalm in one accord unless the Holy Spirit has blasted them and filled them up to speak as one unit, as one body, in oneness? It had to be Holy Spirit. Recollection. How many of you, sometimes you're, you're, you're wanting to witness somebody or share somebody, something with somebody or you're praying with somebody and you, man, you just, God, what did I pray? And all of a sudden he says, this is what you pray, this is what you pray, this is what you pray. 
This is how you pray. This is the verse I need you to give them right now. This is how I need you to speak to them. This is how I need you to love on them. Anybody? Holy Spirit. He says, Hill, you said, he said, you just open your mouth. I'll, I'll give you the words. I'll speak through you. Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. In other words, he's in kind of all-inclusive there. we all guilty. We all put him on the cross. Verse 29, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness, say all boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Until the Bible is completed and he doesn't do things like that anymore. <laughs> no. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord thy God. I do not change. Our mission, church, is to do exactly what Jesus did while he was here on the earth. Why aren't we seeing more of it? This looks a lot like an intercessory prayer team. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question. Don't raise your hands. When's the last time you prayed for the leaders of this church to be bold? When's the last time you prayed for the leaders of this church to speak the word, to lay hands on the sick, to do sign wonders through the name of Jesus? See, we think that the leaders of this church, they've got it all together. They don't struggle. They, they, man, they, 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 get, they get paid to do what they do, so I don't need to pray for them. I'm telling you, we need intercessors more than our intercessory group that meets on, on Thursdays at 2 o'clock. We need people praying all the time that we would be bold. Because there could be a day when somebody walks in that back door and says, if you preach one more word about Jesus Christ, we're shutting you down. Y'all don't think that can happen, do you? If you, tell, if you preach one more message that says this is wrong or that's wrong, I'm not going to start labeling sins because there's too many of them. Okay? But if, if somebody were to say, if you start speaking this and it's hate speech, we're going to shut you down. We better have some people praying for the preachers and the pastors of our cities in our nation that they will not relent. I'm preaching the truth in love. That's what we got to do. It's important this morning that we examine our prayer life from time to time, isn't it? To see how we're praying. That includes me. Why we are praying. We need to ask ourselves, are we really praying the way God would want us to pray? Are we praying in faith? Are we praying out of fear? Are we, are we grabbing hold of the promises of God and in, in filling, ingesting those promises of God and living those promises of God? Or are we just rebounding and reacting from things that are happening? We need to take the offensive church. And we do that through the Word of God and we do it through love. Verse 40, 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. You see that oneness again? Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Unity in the, listen to me, church, unity in the spirit will cause the church to do radical things. Radical. 
Unity in the Spirit will cause the church to do radical things in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our city, in our state. It will cause us to be radical. You think Jesus wasn't radical? You don't think he came to bring a revolution? It was a revolution of love. It was a revolution of grace, but he was bringing it. And it was going against everything that the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought was right. They could not believe that this man was getting by with the things he was getting by with. That's why they had him killed. You know, understanding, listen to me, understanding that whatever we, we own is not really ours will make great givers of us all. When you get the revelation that what you got isn't yours, you'll be able to give things away. And guess what? You'll be happy. Man, you'll be giving cars away and houses away and money, is, money away. And you'll be giving this to that person and God, Holy Spirit will speak to you. You know why? Because know, He knows who the people are right now that are givers in this church that know that what they have is all, it's just God's anyway. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. It came from the Lord. We, we came with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing. That's why we have estate sales and garage sales. Because we've accumulated all this junk that we thought we needed and then we get rid of it for pennies on the dollar. That's right. So when you come to the place of saying, whatever I have is not mine. God, you want it. What, you, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to do with it? Then you'll start tithing. Yeah, I'm stepping on some toes. Somebody said, man, you got boots on this morning. I said, yeah, these boots are made for preaching. That's just what I do. One of these, these, and then I start, oh, they're going to walk all over you. Well, actually, they're going to step on some toes maybe. I don't know. Step on mine. I step on my own toes all the time because I read the Word of God. And he says, uh-huh. Yeah, Harold, what are you, uh-huh. You're going to preach that today or you're going to do it? But listen, it's liberating when you, it's liberating when you recognize that what you have isn't your own. It just frees you up. How do, you, how do you think we got a brand new van across the street? Because somebody said, what I've got isn't mine. God, what do you want me to do with what i got? He said, I want you to buy the church a van. I put that, we had that slide up there. It kept rotating. Nobody said anything. Nobody said, we didn't say anything. We just said, here it is. This is the need. And the van picture kept rolling, 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 rolling. All of a sudden, somebody in the Holy Spirit said, that's for you. That slide was made for you. And that person said, okay, Lord, I'll be obedient. I put a, I put a, uh, I put a word out this week in realm. Uh, um, Cam and CJ said, CJ, come here, Pastor, Pastor. I said, I was supposed to mention last week about the youth that were short on funds. CJ, I said, CJ, why didn't you remind me? He said, oh, I thought you already ran. I was praying with somebody, Pastor. I thought you already mentioned it. I said, no, I've totally forgot about it. Telling people that we're like $5,000 short to send all our, our youth and our children to camp. So I got on the, I got on, I got the realm email. I sent the realm email out this week telling about the blessing of the van. And this is what we needed. And I just put it out to the church. Okay? And there was a lady. I shouldn't have said a lady. There was a person. <laughs> Too late. There was a lady. And she's, she's get a, she gets a settlement. And the Lord said, I want you to give $5,000 out of that, of that money. I want you to give it to the church. And she said, okay, but what do I do with it? Ding, ding. The email came. Uh, okay. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> See, he didn't always answer in emails, but he did. And she looked at it and she said, okay, that's where it goes. But I want to tell you something, and this is the truth. If everybody tithes that says, I'm a member of uh, Freedom Fellowship, 
If everybody tithed, we would never have to have fundraisers. We would never have to beg for anything. Everything would be supplied because God says, this is the way I've designed it to work. If everybody tithe. So you've got to get past this fact that the idea that what you, what you own is yours because they're not yours. And if, and if God doesn't get it, the devil will. He will. Well, I was going to give, but my, my water heater broke. Well, guess what? If you would have given, your water heater might not have broke. <laughs> or it might have anyway, but still you'd be blessed. Verse 33. I'm almost to the sermon. I'm not kidding. I'm not. Okay. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. You know what that word great is? It's the Greek megas. Mega. It's where we get our word mega. Mega grace. Mega power. I mean, people talk about, oh, I just, I mean, you know, Joseph Prince, he preaches all about that mega grace. Well, it is mega grace. We have a mega God. We have a God that loves megaly. He does. He, he loves us over the top. Is that a word? Megaly? Should be. It is now. Wikipedia. I can see it. New word, megaly. So I want us to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to quickly go through four things. And, I, and serious, quickly. Because i got to hit the road. I have not seen my wife in, it seems like years, but it's been a week. I'm going to see my grandbaby, too. I texted her yesterday. I said, I said, I've done everything that you do, but I haven't baked the cake or any cookies. <laughs> She's a great baker. I have not baked one thing. I did make my own French toast. So. She's ready to, we're ready to see each other. She's She's flying into Austin tomorrow, and I'm, flying to Austin today in my car. Um, yes, safely. Speed limit. You know, we always, when we talk about grace, and I know Basil will, will confirm this, but Paul wrote more about grace than anybody in the Bible, but we're going to see what Peter wrote because Peter was there in the, in the beginning of the church. So I want to see what Peter wrote as he was preaching about grace that day and talking about the great grace was upon them all. I want to see what Peter talked about when he wrote his letters. Now, 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace, say grace, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Now, the way I see that, it's implied, grace be multiplied, peace be multiplied. He gives more grace, right? Verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Okay? It was prophesied that grace was coming, and grace showed up, and then in his name was Jesus. Verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loin of your loins of your mind, be sober, and look. Look what he says. Rest your hope fully upon what? The grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So number one, I want you to see that we need a revelation of grace. We need a revelation of grace. How many of you remember when you got the revelation of grace? I remember it vividly. I remember it. I'd been a Christian for 13 years when I got the revelation of grace. 
that, that's kind of sad, isn't it? Because I had, I had been raised in a very legalistic church, and I was taught that once you got saved, you better do really good, like be perfect so you don't lose your salvation. Anybody ever, anybody else taught like that? Miserable life as a Christian. Uh, you're the most, it's the most depressing life a Christian. Oh my goodness, I just thought a bad thought. I'm going to hell. Jesus, forgive me, save me. I'm going to heaven. Doubting them. Oh, I doubted something. I doubted you could do that, Lord. I'm going to hell. God, forgive me. I repent. I'm going to heaven. Legalism. No grace. No slack. No mercy. So at the age of 30, when Mary Lou and I were going through almost our divorce, almost, God redeemed our marriage, uh, I met with a pastor, and he began to teach me and tell me about grace. I'm so, my, I, I bet my mouth was like, I'm, he saved me. He's going to keep me. I, I, he's not going to send me to hell every time I say a cuss word. And I have a bad thought, or I have a lustful thought, or I, 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 do, I, I lie, a little white lie. I'm not going to go to hell. No, by grace you're saved. By grace you're saved. Say by grace. Through faith. Not of works. Not of works. Not of works. The one, the one who saved you is going to keep you. So I had an understanding of grace. It was so liberating. It's just so liberating. So we have, I had to have this revelation of grace. Now my hope rests fully upon the grace that is brought to me because of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. The description of Jesus is that He is grace. He is mercy. So when you grab hold of Jesus and you get the revelation of who Jesus really is, you'll get the revelation of His awesome grace that covers us. I believe that one of the greatest secrets that we have to walk in the power of God is to know, to understand, and receive the grace of God. So if you're here this morning, you're brought up in a legalistic way in a, in a church society, in a church we're saying that if you, if you sin, you've lost your salvation. And you know, my mother says, well, it's not just one sin, it's several sins. I said, well, how many several? Because I've already got several already built up. How many is it? She couldn't answer me. But listen, there's a secret to walking in the power of God, and you've got to understand to understand the grace of God. Not only do you have to understand the grace of God, you've got to receive the grace of God. We have to know our identity here. We speak it all the time. Know your identity, that it's in Christ, it's not in you. And if, it's a, if there's one big, big struggle in most Christians' life, it's your identity in Christ. Because you know why? The enemy is constantly, the enemy is constantly wanting to rob you of your identity in Christ. If he can rob you of your identity and say you're worthless, then you will be powerless. That's why grace and power go together. If you have a revelation of the grace, you can walk in power because you know it's not about you, it's about him. But if you don't have a revelation of grace, you can't walk in power because you're always going to be going, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I can't do anything for God, I'm just an old dirty rotten sinner, I know I'm saved by grace, but I don't deserve anything. That's why I asked that question earlier, who deserves it? None of us deserve it when we actually understand that grace is something He pours upon us, the gift of grace, then we can start walking in the power of grace. And we can be witnesses. The thief does come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a robber. And he will try to rip grace right out of your heart. So you'll start living in your flesh. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. 
three chapters over. First qualification is the revelation of grace. First thing we need to see. The second thing is the responsibility of grace. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let me read that in the Amplified. As each of you has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment, employ it for who? One another. As befits good trustees of God's many-sided grace. That's the manifold, means many-sided. Faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor, undeserved favor. That is called grace. Okay? So the responsibility, once we have the grace of God and we understand it and we receive the, the grace of God, then we have a responsibility to minister the grace of God to other people. You say, well, how do we do that, Pastor? Well, when you pray for somebody that you know that, man, they don't deserve your time, they don't deserve one second of your time, and you stop and you, you get down and you start praying for them, you are having, that's an, an expression of the grace of God coming through you to, to them. Because when, when we really have a, an understanding of grace, it, when we see somebody else and they're going through a hard time, the, the old saying comes back to us, there but for God go I. There but for the grace of God, that's me. That, listen, if we didn't have the grace of God, we could, we can't, we can't function without the grace of God or any kind of power and any kind of victory. So when you pray for somebody, when you lay hands on somebody, when you give something to somebody, when you bless somebody, you're doing that and this is an expression of the grace of God in you that goes through you and touches somebody else's life. We have a responsibility to minister the grace of God. The third thing is the requirement for grace. Likewise, 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be what? Clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The requirements for grace is humility. Can we let grace... Can we, can we kick grace to the side of the road? Yes, we can. You can quit operating in grace. You can go back to the flesh anytime you want to. God's not going to stop you. That's why Paul would have to write these letters. Here. Why would you? Who bewitched you to get you back into legalism? They, they walked away from grace. Men, listen, you think you won't walk away from grace, but one day you wake up and you start putting yourself down and thinking that you're no good, you're worthless, you can't do anything for the kingdom of God. You know what you've done? You've kicked grace to the side of the road and you've said legalism come back in. Works come back in. You're not operating in the love of God anymore. You're operating out of, out of woundedness, out of, I don't know what, you're, you're operating out of legalism again. You're operating out of your flesh. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Now, I used to quote, I used to attribute that quote to C.S. Lewis, but I was wrong. That's Rick Warren wrote that. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking, less of, your, uh, thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis actually went a little bit further than that. He says of a humble man, he will not be thinking about humility, he will not be thinking about himself at all. Wow, that's a good one. See, when you start thinking if I'm humble or not, then you're in trouble. If you start thinking that, I don't know, if you start operating in this false humility, you're in trouble. 
If you start thinking of yourself more, and then because you're thinking of yourself more, you're trying to think, oh, man, I've got to humble myself because I've been really prideful lately. That's where you need to come back to the place of grace. When you're walking in pride, you're walking in your selfishness. When you're walking in pride, you're walking in your own strength. And when you're walking in your own strength, guess what? You're going to fall. Pride goes before the fall. He said, God resists the proud. How many of you want to go? How many of you want God to resist you? I, I, I'm personally, I don't want to. I, I don't want to have to go up against God. I'm resisting you, Harold. No, He wants us to walk in this thing called humility because He knows when we're in humble, we're recognizing that without Him we can do nothing. Without Him we can do nothing. Pride is so opposed to grace. And then finally, Second Peter three seventeen and eighteen. Second Peter. 3, 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, be aware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory now and forever. Amen. Fourth thing is the renewal of grace. The, re- the word renewal means the state of being made new, fresh, or strong again. Remember when they came together and they prayed after the incident where they'd been arrested and they said, we can't help but speak what, and they, they gathered together and they prayed. And what happened in the room when they prayed? Where they were at, the buildings shook. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. If you go and do a study of that, these guys are already filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? They were refilled. They were filled again. Lamps run out of oil. Keep refilling it. Keep refilling it. We always, why, did you, why do you think Paul said be transformed by the renewing, a constant renewing of your mind? Because he knows that we need to constantly be renewed in our mind and we need to be constantly renewed of the grace of God. We need to be constantly renewing in the knowledge of God. We need to keep growing. That's why we're doing the growth track. And also, it was awesome. Like I think we had 105 people showed up. We had 140 sign up, but we had 105 show up. And we had we, this teaching is about growing in our faith, growing in our grace, growing in the knowledge and uh, the love of God, growing and getting more mature as believers so we can actually walk out and do the things that Peter and Paul and James and John were doing. So we can do those things. So we have to always continually be checking ourselves and to see if we're walking in the grace of God. Don't let the enemy start robbing you and stealing your joy and stealing your grace and walking back into that woe is me, I'm worthless attitude. Why is there power in grace? Because when we recognize that we are weak and he is strong, then faith will rise up. And then we can do anything in his name. Would you stand? You have the ministry team to the front, please. In the back. And I know it kind of gets scattered after a little bit after we do ministry. Someone asked David and Belinda to come up. They're heading for Israel tomorrow. Okay, come on up. We want to pray over you guys. Things in Israel kind of were always kind of volatile and uh we went there and there's there's always stuff going on over there because you know it seems like everybody hates them and wants to destroy them 
and they're going to go with another group of people and experience. If you haven't been there, they're going to experience some awesome things. So we're going to pray for their protection, and then I'll give the invitation this morning, okay? Y'all stretch your hands this way. Father, I thank you for David and Belinda. I thank you, Father, for the just their heart to go after you with everything they have. And, Lord, I pray that this experience would be an experience that they will never forget when they walk into the places that you walked, when they see what you saw in the physical. Lord, that it would be more than just, oh, that was cool, that was neat, but they would have a profound experience with you as they go to the place that you said, this is my home in Jerusalem. Lord, I pray that you would protect them. You would send your angels and surrounding them and all of their group. Lord, that this might be an experience that they will come back and share and say, God is awesome. Let me tell you what he did for us, what he did through us as we walked in the streets of Israel and Jerusalem and into the, the, Galilee, the, sea, the sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. All the things they're going to experience, Lord. May your word come to life to them more than ever before. We just pray your great grace, your great love, your protection over them today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. I think the, the invitation is for people that have never had the revelation of grace. Maybe you're here this morning and you battle with worthlessness. I think the enemy uses that to bring depression upon believers. You just feel like I have not lived up to the expectations. Here's the thing. We just will never live up to that, the expectations of perfection. That's why we have to receive His grace and the revelation of it this morning. So if that's you this morning, bow your heads. Some of you this morning, you know, even that worthlessness leads to suicidal thoughts. It, it leads to addiction. It leads to powerlessness. Because you feel like, man, I can't do anything until I get my life straightened out. And God says, I want you to receive my grace today. I want you to receive my grace. You may be saved and never walked in the grace of God because you just feel like you can't live it up, live up to that perfection. I know it was for me a liberating day when I understood that by grace I was saved through faith and not of works. So I couldn't boast about it. I could only boast in Jesus. So, Father, for those this morning who are dealing with those thoughts of worthlessness, thoughts of legalism, thoughts of measuring up, Lord, today I just ask that you would release him to, to come and get prayer today to receive the grace and the revelation of your grace in Jesus' name. If that's you, just step out and come. We have ministry teams in the front and the back. Just step out and come. Don't be, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed, man. I did it for years. Miserable way to live. If that's you this morning. Don't have a revelation of his grace, but today you have. I want to ask you to come let God let some of these ministry team pray for you today. Come on. Be obedient. Be obedient. Maybe you've had thoughts of suicide because you just feel like I'm I'm not worth I'm not worth anything in the kingdom. I can't do anything in the kingdom. And God would speak to you this morning and say, Listen, I love you. My grace is my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient for you. When you're weak, I am strong. Just step out and come. We want to pray for you today. We want to pray for you today. Come on. Step out and come. Don't let the enemy continue to rob you of the grace of God. 
Because that's where he wants you to stay. Step out and come. We want to pray for you today. Amen. Come on. Anybody else? We're still waiting. I'm telling you, this will set you free. It set me free. So God said, if it'll set you free, Harold, it'll set somebody else free today. We just can't measure up in and of ourselves. Why do you think Paul said, my grace, when Paul, he said, I've got this thorn in my flesh that the Satan's have been coming against me. And I prayed three times and you didn't remove it, God. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Because in, in your weakness, Paul, I am strong. And he had to come to understanding of his grace, the grace that was given to him that day. Anybody else? Anybody else? The remainder of the invitation is if you need prayer for anything. Okay? If you need prayer for anything, we invite you to come. Physical, you need a miracle in your life. If you need, if it's uh, for salvation, if it's to become a part of this church body, whatever it is that God will have you to do. Maybe you need to get water baptized, need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whatever your need is this morning, we want to pray for you today. We want to pray for you today. Maybe you're just stuck in a place where you need to get pulled out of. You need somebody to come alongside you and pray for you. One more, just a couple of minutes.